Even though they should do absolutely everything that they can to sign him, the New Orleans Saints have a major roadblock when it comes to the question of DeAndre Hopkins. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to a whole new week here at Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. Put a Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always for being Locked On Saints, your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and continue the conversation one-on-one with me over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on. Saints, as always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. NOLA on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. And of course, you can find me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started today. Tell you more about them later, but on today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at some of the things that we're hoping to learn from the New Orleans Saints offense over at OTAs. We'll do offense today, defense tomorrow. We're going to take a look at the John Gruden visit, why it's an unnecessary risk and potentially could turn into an unnecessary mess. But first, let's get to the downside of the DeAndre Hopkins pursuit. And here's what I mean by that. The big takeaway here is that the New Orleans Saints should absolutely want DeAndre Hopkins, and they should jump through every hoop, they should make every phone call, they should send every email, they should do whatever it takes, telegrams, whatever, Morse code, send every message that you can, take the message and send it to DeAndre Hopkins just to show him that you're down with the culture. There's a ton of different things that the New Orleans Saints can do let DeAndre Hopkins know that they want him here in New Orleans, but there's a major roadblock. DeAndre Hopkins probably doesn't want to play with the New Orleans Saints. That's just kind of the reality of the situation. And let me explain why, because I don't mean that in a situation to where, or in a circumstance or in a context in which I'm saying there's too many mouths to feed. If you're an everydayer, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know I hate that. We say that about every position, or we say that about only one area of the game, and it's the most important area of the game, which is passing the football. We say every other position can't have enough good linebackers, can't have enough good top corners, can't have uh, enough good edge rushers, can't have enough offensive linemen, blah, blah, blah. But we always say too many mouths to feed when it comes to the most important aspect of the NFL game today, which is throwing the football. No, there would not be too many mouths to feed. Yes, there would be mouths to feed. And that is a is an improvement from what the New Orleans Saints have experienced over the course of the last few seasons thanks to injuries. Yes, there will be injuries. No, there are not too many mouths to feed. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way. The New Orleans Saints would be outstanding with DeAndre Hopkins on the roster. A pairing of DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas, which could potentially turn into a pairing of just Michael Thomas and Chris Olave, or which was the original plan anyway, or DeAndre Hopkins and Chris Olave, all of which video game material. Great stuff. Do it. Go for it. However, if you listen to what DeAndre Hopkins has said over the course of the past few weeks, it doesn't sound like the New Orleans Saints are necessarily, necessarily at least 
on his radar publicly. Now, we can only judge by the things that he has said publicly, but he was on the I Am Athlete podcast uh, just last week, the week before last. And he mentioned five different quarterbacks that he would like to have throwing him the ball. Those quarterbacks were Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, of course, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. None of those five quarterbacks, notably, are Kyler Murray, which he explained was because Kyler Murray was injured, but now he's released and a free agent and he gets his opportunity to go and follow one of these five guys if he wants to. But more notably for you, none of those five quarterbacks are Derek Carr. Now, maybe Derek Carr is not in the top five list and maybe he's in the top 10 list, which would be good for the New Orleans Saints because some of these teams may not be able to add a player like DeAndre Hopkins. But listen closely to the things that DeAndre Hopkins says that he wants in the next organization that he plays with, because you have heard this before, okay? He wants to be with a steady organization. He wants to be with a good quarterback that loves football, and he wants to be with a good defense because, quote, defenses win championships. That's where the Saints check a lot of boxes. They, of course, have a stable organization. They're an organization that hosts two of the most active, long, longest tenured positions uh, or, or people in their positions in the NFL at general manager with Mickey Loomis, as well as offensive coordinator with Pete Carmichael. They are the model of consistency. They are the model for stability, although they haven't been as successful when loss was as, as you would hope that they would be over the course of the past couple of seasons. And that was because there was a little bit of instability that hit, right? The Hall of Fame quarterback retired, the Hall of Fame head coach left. And those things can cause a little bit of instability, but the Saints look as stable an organization as any other in the NFL, despite that. That's good for them. They, of course, have a great defense. They were the number two defense in the NFL last year, or excuse me, number two passing defense in the NFL last year. They were a top 10 scoring defense, uh, a top 10 yardage defense, total yardage defense, despite the fact that their rushing attack or rush defense dropped down to 24th in the NFL. They were still a top flight NFL defense in 2022 and are expected to be as such in 2023. And they do have a good quarterback that loves the game. I would be surprised if Derek Carr wasn't on DeAndre Hopkins top 10 list, despite not being on his top five list, especially when it comes to quarterbacks that love to ball, that love the game, because Derek Carr is absolutely that guy. And Derek Carr, don't forget, has a lot of respect from players around the NFL. But when you hear those three things mentioned by a player who says that they want to join another team and they say that they want a good defense, that they want a stable organization and that they want a good quarterback, they're ring chasing. They want a ring, which is not a bad thing, by the way. I think the idea of ring chasing is something that we kind of save and utilize as like a dig at a player. Every single player in the NFL is ring chasing. I'm ring chasing. I don't even play in the NFL and I'm ring chasing. Like there's all of this. There's all this conversation around, ah, oh, well, he's just ring chasing. He's just, yes, of course he is. Everyone is. Everyone wants a ring. And so when you look at a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who has an immense talent, only 30 years old, one of the better NFLs in the NFL, one of the better NFLs, one of the better wide receivers in the NFL and a great contested catch wide receiver, it's easy to see how he would fit in the New Orleans Saints offense. In fact, ESPN named the New Orleans Saints as one of the top five landing spots for him in terms of fit. Remember the New England Patriots were also on that list. Doesn't mean that that's a spot that he wants to go. Doesn't mean that that's a spot that he has expressed interest in or anything like that, just simply fit-wise. And so if we're talking about the game, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins makes a ton of sense for the New Orleans Saints. But when we, when we talk about the desire for DeAndre Hopkins, the biggest roadblock for the New Orleans Saints is, can they present themselves to him if they get in touch with him? Can they present themselves to him as a Super Bowl candidate? Not an NFC South competitor, not an NFC competitor, 
None of that. Not a 10-win team, which are the ways that we talk about this New Orleans Saints team, which is very different than the ways that we talked about them 2011, 2013, 2018, 2019. We talked about them as Super Bowl contenders. Can the Saints convince DeAndre Hopkins that that is a part of their reality, that they are indeed Super Bowl contenders? That's the biggest roadblock that they'll have to leap if they want to get DeAndre Hopkins in the black and gold. So they should absolutely do everything they can to show their interest. Do what it is that they have done over the course of the offseason and let him know, hey, you're coming from a place that clearly didn't want you. Let me show you what a place looks like that absolutely wants you in the building. But will it work? Is going to come down to the way that DeAndre Hopkins thinks about the future outlook of the New Orleans Saints with him added to the roster. And that's the way that you convince him. Hey, you put us over the top. Come through. Let's get it done. Coming up next, the New Orleans Saints had John Gruden in for a uh, visit and, I don't know, jam session, maybe. Uh, and they are getting a lot of backlash for it. And the John Gruden visit brought in a lot of risk because of that backlash that they're getting. But will you be able to even tell whether or not there's a reward by the time it's all said and done? We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, put a Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by the number one sportsbook in all of America, Fan Duel Sportsbook. They have an app that is safe, that is super easy to use, that is super secure, and that is absolutely awesome. It allows you to be able to do stuff on the go as long as you're in the right place and everything. It's absolutely great. You can go and check out the app. And of course, one of my favorite things about FanDuel is that they have immediate payouts. Well, actually, that's not my favorite thing. Let me tell you what my favorite thing is. My favorite thing about FanDuel is the no sweat first bet if you are a first time customer, because right now, and listen to me closely when I say this, right now, the uh, FanDuel no sweat first bet is for up to $2,500, $2,500, 2500 them things that you get back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is be a first time user. So if you haven't checked out FanDuel, and if you want to get in on some good odds, whether it be around the NBA, uh, what's going on in the NBA right now, who's going to advance out of the East, who's going to win when it comes to the finals, Denver, of course, all of that, you can get into that, the NFL, early Saints odds, everything, all with the protection of a no sweat first bet of up to $2,500 in bonus bets that comes back to you as a first time user if your first bet doesn't. Win. So go check them out today, fanduel.com slash locked on and take advantage of that no sweat first bet of up to $2,500. Once again, it is fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate all of you everydayers out there, as always, for making us a part of your day, a part of your routine, and of course, your first listen of the day. If you want to keep the conversation going one on one with me, head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints. You can get in, subscribe, do all of that good stuff. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Let's talk about the John Gruden situation. The fact of the matter is that the John Gruden situation, the John Gruden visit comes with a lot of risk and what will be unintelligible reward, if any reward at all. That's the way that I view the John Gruden situation. I've had a lot of people on social media ask me, Ross, what do you think about John Gruden? What do you think about the John Gruden visit? Is John Gruden on the staff now? So we're going to get some of these questions out of the way. I did not take to social media for this because, uh, y'all, I have fatigue, okay? I have fatigue when it comes to to off the field um, 
uh, issues and things like that. And if it's big enough, I'll say something. This ain't big enough to say nothing about, but I'll talk about it here on the show for you. I'll talk about it with you. I'm not going to social media with it because y'all know how that can be. The fact of the matter is that we have to remember that John Gruden was a guy that was effectively, effectively removed. He did resign, but effectively removed from the entirety of the NFL because of emails that included, um, let me make sure I I get the whole bucket here correctly. Uh, Let's just call it bigoted and uh, homophobic and racist and uh, misogynistic language in the emails. You can find the emails online. I'm not going to read the emails or anything like that. We're not doing this today. Uh, But there is enough out there in terms of what John Gruden's emails contained and all these other things that has people um, upset about the fact that the Saints had him come and visit here in New Orleans. And and I get it. I, I do. I, I think everyone's going to feel differently about this. And good. We should have dissenting opinions. It's fine. Like, I don't care. But like, I don't like when I say I don't care, what I mean is that like, I don't care that there are some people that feel one way about it and some people that feel another way about it. Good. That's fine. Dissenting opinions are a good thing. Uh, but when it comes down to it, when I look at what the New Orleans Saints could potentially have gained from this, it leaves me wondering why do this in the first place. Like, you have one of the better offensive playbooks. You have some of the better offensive approaches and schemes. You have one of the better quarterbacks now that can run your system. You have enough. What does bringing John Gruden in for at most a handful of days do other than cause you a media media storm? Like, it doesn't do anything. It's just a distraction at that point. And now look, I don't think John Gruden's in there talking to players. I don't think John Gruden's in there, you know, out there on the practice field or anything like that, like get, like coaching. He's not doing any of those things. He's not a coach. He hasn't been added to the coaching staff. He was brought in as effectively a consultant to stand around and work with some of the um with some of the offensive coaches and things like that. And I'm sure he spent a little bit of time with John Gruden. I mean, I'm sorry, with Derek Carr. Derek Carr had his most successful seasons with the Raiders under John Gruden and in his system. So that's that's kind of the arrangement when it comes to John Gruden. But how much of an impact can he possibly have in that short amount of time? And maybe I'm discrediting him. Maybe I'm discrediting the Saints even in this situation. I'm usually the positive guy and I feel like I'm just poo-pooing everything today. But when it comes down to the John Gruden thing, I don't understand what the reward is based upon the risk and the backlash that you're going to face is you have to consider the fact that like some of the language that was used in this in these emails is massively harmful to fans and sometimes and in some cases massively harmful to some of the team like some of the, the the roster the players as well and so it's just a little bit of Maybe maybe there there's a possible lack of understanding here, whatever it might be. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is that they brought him in. He comes in, and the intent is for him to help work on the offensive transition to Derek Carr. Um, but he doesn't come for training camp. He comes for OTAs, so it's before the install, so that's good. Um, and I think what it tells you is three things. That the Saints probably aren't going to look much different in 2023, but we'll hopefully have better execution. Because if you look back to Sean Payton's early influences, John Gruden was one of those guys. 1997, they were on the same coaching staff. John Gruden with the Philadelphia Eagles was the offensive coordinator. Sean Payton was the quarterback's coach. And that helped him sort of breed the offense that then became the New Orleans Saints Super Bowl winning offense and one of the top flight offenses, high octane offenses in the NFL. So I don't think that there's going to be a ton that is going to look different 
from what we have seen from the New Orleans Saints before, but we might see some things that we haven't seen in a while. That brings to the point too, the Saints may be looking to revive some of their old playbook. And in the last, and that would be like 2009, 2011, those types of things, which we which we'll discuss a little bit further here, but we have discussed on the show before. But then the last piece, and the only piece that I can imagine John Gruden is like actually helpful to you in any way, is that you're taking some of the Raiders concepts from their playbook and adding them in for Derek Carr, but you already have the resource of Derek Carr, and oh, by the way, Foster Moreau, and oh, by the way, Brian Edwards, and oh, by the way, Jonathan Abram, guys around you that are still familiar with that. You can't call up Todd Downing because he's in New York. You can't call up Greg Olson because he's in Seattle, so you can't go to those guys, so I guess you go to John Gruden, but it just feels like an unnecessary risk that could turn into an unnecessary mess for the New Orleans Saints. And you don't want that, especially this offseason. They have been so on top of everything in terms of culture, building out the locker room, a character, high character stuff and everything. And then all that goes out the window once we're talking about a coach. All that goes out the window once we're talking about an executive and everything. And that just tends to happen across the NFL as a whole. So Look, we have seen all season, all off season so far, Dennis Allen lean on former Raiders and 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 folks that he knows and folks that he's familiar with. I'm sure that he and John Gruden probably have a pre-existing relationship, all these other things. Certainly Derek Carr does. So even if Dennis Allen and Derek Carr, even if Dennis Allen and John Gruden don't, Dennis Allen and Derek Carr do. And so I think that that all makes sense. But I mean, you're just it's just inviting sort of all of this unnecessary backlash for uh, there's no chance there's no shot that at the end of 2023 we're sitting here on the show and I'm go- I'm sinking back and going huh wow sure glad they brought in John Gruden for a couple of days in OTAs like it's just not doesn't feel like it's worth the risk for me so I okay I'm I don't want to give John Gruden any more airtime on on my show but you get the idea here risk not necessarily going to be uh, worth the reward because the reward will be inarticulable at the end of the season. That that's that's the way that I look at it. Um, I do think though that the Saints looking at the Raiders offense and saying we want to take this, we want to take that makes a ton of sense. I also think that them looking back to their old pieces in their playbook and bringing back some things that maybe haven't been uh, in the playbook here recently, that that too is a good thing, and that includes adding more vertical concepts that also stretch and challenge the offense horizontally. Also adding some things that work in and out of the backfield, getting back to the short area passing game, being an extension of your run game, maybe getting a little bit heavier in zone runs, all of those things. Although they they run the ball in zone blocking concepts more percentage wise than they do uh, in man or gap blocking concepts, you could still see them maybe plant that flag a little bit more and say, we're a zone run team, bop, and then, and then get a little bit more going with that. So I do think that those concepts being reintroduced to the New Orleans Saints offense. And there's some of those zone run concepts, some of those vertical horizontal challenging things, some of those short area passing things that you can also snag from the Raiders offense and plug in. So I get all of that. I just don't know that you necessarily needed the presence, that presence in particular to help you, you know, install all that. And the Saints have done this before. They brought in Mike Martz, they brought in Tom Coughlin. But if I remember correctly, those guys came in during training camp, not necessarily OTAs, but they are helping with the install here. So we'll see. Uh, so there, there's my take on it. Uh, everyone should feel differently. Everyone should have different opinions. It's a good thing. Uh, my opinion is that it, it, it's probably not going to be worth it in terms of the firestorm that you have to deal with at this time versus what the actual benefit or payoff of that visit will be in the long run. Um, and finally, no, he's not a part of the coaching staff. Coming up next, what are the things that we're hoping to learn about the New Orleans Saints offense 
in week two of OTAs. Got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always for making us your first listen of the day every day and for still being here because I'm sure I just made some people mad and that is a okay. <laughs> I'm trying to look at everything from from all sides, yo, like I always do. And, uh, you know, there's just there's just some things that like just they just don't compute. They just don't compute. And that might mean I'm I'm an idiot. And that's fine. Um, Let's take a look at three things we want to learn about the New Orleans Saints offenses. OTA week two kicks off tomorrow. We'll take a look at defense tomorrow morning as well. And of course, as you know, we'll be live later on today. So make sure you catch the second episode later on today as well over on YouTube. Uh, for that one, we're going to be taking a look at the um, the sort of uh, roadblocks and things that some of the other draft picks will have to uh, navigate and and how they can do that and why. The coaching staff is the right coaching staff to help them do that. We'll start with Brian Brzee and Isaiah Foskey later on tonight. So um, three things that we want to see from the New Orleans Saints with OTA practice number four, but we're just going to call it week two uh, for for ease. Uh, first thing I want to know is like, are, are Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill going to be present? They don't need to be by any means, but I am curious. It, will both or either Alvin Kamara was present at a NASCAR game yesterday where I believe NOLA.com's Taron Walk was was present, uh, was going. Uh, but Alvin Kamara was reportedly present, according to Taron. And so you kind of wonder, okay, well, you know, you see the public appearance. So now do we see the appearance back at OTAs in just, you know, a week off or, or, or whatever? Or maybe he was there. He could have been there the second day or the third day for all we know. We, we wouldn't have known because media is only there for the first day of the three-day uh, OTA run. And so I look at... um the potential for Alvin Kamara and 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 Taysom Hill to be there as important because of the new quarterback um, component uh, of it all. Both of those guys are going to be massively important to the New Orleans Saints offense, and these are guys, Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill, who have a penchant for being able to move the ball on offense when the offense otherwise can't move the ball. So I think that they're really important, especially Taysom Hill, and so I think that they're really important to what this New Orleans Saints offense is going to look like in 2023 and what they're going to do in 2023, which again, we don't expect big changes there, but the execution is kind of the biggest question mark. And seeing those guys present kind of helps you make you, helps make you feel a little bit more comfortable about what that contribution level can be from, from those two players. Even though Alvin Kamara might miss some games with the suspension, looming suspension, potential suspension, all of that we'll have to see. But um, but regardless, curious to see if if those guys or any other players uh, end up making their way back to the Saints training facility for OTAs, especially offensive linemen like uh, James Hurst, for instance. I mean, getting getting some of that presence back. They they brought ninety percent of their players for the first week of OTAs, first day of OTAs. Do we see that number tick up here in week two? Second, are there any noticeable steps forward for Derek Carr? And I'm going to be honest with you, I, this one is kind of one that I'm just kind of throwing out there uh, because he looked pretty good the first day of OTAs uh, for what he could, right, for what you could see and what you could, you know, be uh, observant of in all that. Remember, these are, these are mostly walkthroughs and we get some team drill stuff and everything, which is nice, but you know, nobody's going full speed and nobody trying to tackle Derek Carr and nobody trying to tackle anybody or, you know, the pass rush isn't actually trying to get to him, all these other things. And so uh, I, I think, you know, what you're looking for in, in week, Two is, does he take any noticeable steps forward? And I might not be able to articulate at this moment what those steps could be. I mean, he was a perfect eight of eight. He threw, I think it was six of six and seven on sevens, two of two uh, in, um, in in team drills, including a big 
uh, pass and catch downfield to Chris Olave, just giving him a chance, and he went up and made it happen. Those are the things that I think you, you want to see more of, but not in those flukish ways. You just want to continue to see the surgical precision operating the offense and moving the offense and doing all of those things. So, you know, look, he was he was about as good as you can be to open up OTAs. So if there's a noticeable step forward going into the second week of OTAs, it's really, really good news for the New Orleans Saints. If you see him take steps back at all, then you have to kind of look at sort of the context of those steps back and then reevaluate and get ready for week three. But I don't think there's anything that you're going to see week two that's going to make you go, oh, no, what's going on? What's happening here? Uh, I think that that's not a big issue. The last thing, I want to know if A.T. Perry can continue to make the strides that he has shown that he has the potential to make. Uh, a lot was made out of him catching one of four passes last week, but not enough was made of him one of those passes being off target, another one being a great defensive play by Isaac Yadam with the pass breakup. And then, of course, the one pass that he did catch was an outstanding catch. And so, in uh, great ball placement from Jake Hanner, all of that. And so, I think that the first pass that went his way was kind of impacted by Jake Hayner's jitters, right? As far as I know, that was the first pass that he threw with a defense present during a practice, at least when media was present, right? So, that's that's a big part of it. And this was the first time that rookies and veterans shared the field together in a practice environment, all of that. And so I think, you know, it took him a second to settle in. But once he settled in, then those passes started to be on target and all that other stuff. So A.T. Perry was kind of held subject to that at one point. So does A.T. Perry get an opportunity with Jameis Winston? Does A.T. Perry get more opportunity with Derek Carr to be able to show what it is that he can do? What you want to see him make those strides in is finding ways to get open, creating separation, all of that. He can fight through contact. He can deal with the contested catches. We know this about A.T. Perry already, but you want to see him learning how to create separation naturally, whether it be through stacking, decelerating, accelerating, dropping the hips, you know, good cuts, clean cuts at the top of routes, him pushing upfield, selling uh, the vertical route to the defender before making his break, all these things. Can he do those things? Can he find his way open uh, against zone defenses, all of that? Those are things that you're looking for from A.T. Perry. Do we start to see uh, more strides, more steps forward for the young rookie here at OTA Week 2, who, of course, there are very high expectations around and a lot of excitement around, and I think rightfully so. So we'll see what happens with A.T. Perry, Derek Carr, Taysom Hill, a a Alvin Kamara, and many, many others all throughout. Um, Lucas Kroll is another one that's going to be a lot of fun to watch as we get through the offensive line. Will uh, Eno Benjamin participate? He did not participate last week. And that's what got Kirk Merritt a little bit more run at running back, but the guy's a wide receiver. So you definitely want to see that, all of that. So we'll get a look at all of that tomorrow. Um, if you're a part of the subtext uh, crew, then K-R-E-W-E, -E, Tampa, you hear that? I'm using crew. What you going to do about it? Um, if you're a part of the subtext crew, you'll get some early updates, things like that. But then basically, like once that OTA practice is done and I get a couple of pieces out, I'm running back home and we're going live immediately so I can give you everything you need from OTA. So be just like last week uh, and everything. So as always, I appreciate y'all very, very much. Make me part of your day, part of your routine. Make sure you show up for the live show later on today as we're looking at Brian Brzee and, um, and Isaiah Foskey and the hurdles that they have ahead of them and how the Saints can help them get there tomorrow. Defense, what are some of the things that we're hoping to see uh, at OTA? So thanks again for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. Don't forget, you can always continue the conversation as well over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on Saints. And as always, if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.